This morning we are going to be in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 25. And so as we continue to make our way through Matthew's gospel and um, hearing these amazing things, Jesus is going to begin to launch uh, the 12 disciples specifically today out into the mission field. Um, as maybe some clarity of what it begins to look like missionally, what's the church look like as it's um, even in the premier early stages prior even to Pentecost as these disciples go out proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, today we're going to see the glory of God in missions in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, Pastor Stephen Lee speaks about four obstacles to sharing our faith. And he says the first one is oftentimes just lack of gospel knowledge, that we struggle to share the gospel because... Maybe we're just not even sure like how to start the conversation or maybe what we should say or what it should look like. Other times let's, we struggle to share our faith because there's just apathy. I mean, we just, for being honest, like we struggle to care about lost people. I mean, we may not say that, but if you honestly evaluate your life and we ask the question, when is the last time you personally shared the gospel with someone? It may reveal serious apathy. Third, he shares that fear is a reason why. We, we fear like what will other people think about us? We fear like that if we show up and share the gospel when things are going on with our kids, might other parents say, well, we don't want them on the team anymore. We don't want to invite those people over. They're going to talk about all that stuff and make everybody uncomfortable. Fourth, maybe there's just like a lack of compassion. Like we just maybe have this tendency to forget that people are actually headed to a real place called hell. And so there's just a lack of compassion, and we spend a little time praying or talking. Uh, it's here on the walls. You can see it there. We're celebrating 200 years. And I have to imagine as the church came together 200 years ago, and they began to think, what might it look like for this church to go and begin to try to reach this community? I, I want to hope and pray that maybe they wrestled with some of these very things that Jesus is going to set before us today. I mean, it's the end of chapter 9 where Jesus says, guys, look, I tell you, Right. The fields, as he says in John, the fields are ripe for harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And might we in the midst of this need to be reminded in the midst of culture and and everything happening around us, tension in our families, tension in our community, tension in our homes, tension in the church, tension in our country. Might we need to remind ourselves today to open our eyes again and look for the fields are ready unto harvest. But if you're like me, maybe when challenges come or difficulties come in sharing your faith, maybe you just have a tendency to draw back and not do anything. The tendency can be just, well, it's going to be awkward or I'm going to mess it up again or I don't even know how to start the conversation or just or you feel guilty over something you did last week or how you acted or whatever. And there's no way that you could open. And this just that tendency just to want to shut down or quit for whatever reason. But today, Jesus is going to remind us this. That God's plan will be accomplished by God's power through God's people in the face of persecution and suffering. Hear it again. God's plan will be accomplished by God's power through the church, God's people, in the face of persecution and suffering. Today we're going to hear about the glory of God displayed in missions by the power of of missions. We're going to hear about the plan of missions and finally we're going to see the persecution of missions. So first today we start out with this, the power of missions. What is happening? What is the power of missions truly? And I think first we're going to see in the text the power of missions flows from this truth, being sent. 
The power of missions flows from being sent. Look what happens beginning in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And Jesus called. He called to him his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Further, he says in verse 16, behold, I am what? I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And he says, so be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. These 12 are are in verse 2. If you have your Bible there, you're going to see they're called the apostles. Indicates being sent ones, right? That's what that word indicates. And they are taking the gospel into places where the gospel has never been proclaimed. Right? They're going out on what's known as frontier missions. And maybe you think, well, man, they must be this serious band of brothers. This must be an elite company of guys being sent out. Well, listen to what Matthew says in verses 2 through 4. The names of these 12 apostles are these. There's Simon, who is called Peter. And Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. And John, his brother. There's Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas. And Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus. And my guess is he's kind of like the guy nobody really knows about, Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot. And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now listen to this again. Because there may be the temptation to come here and hear this call to go and share the gospel. And you think, there's just no way. I I, I just will never measure up. That's for other people in the church. Elite people, right? Special people, but not me. Slow down just for a moment. Listen to this text. So these are the guys that Jesus calls. These are the guys that in verse 16 he's sending. Look what happens here. There's Peter. His brother Andrew. There's James. And there's John. These were all what? What was their occupation? Fishermen. These aren't like scholars, theologians. These are fishermen. That he's sending out to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Not only that, though, look what else we have. We have Matthew, who is what? A tax collector. He's hated by the... Like, I mean, this is not the guy you pick to go now to the Jewish people because he's hated by them. They all know about him. And then he throws in this group. This is Jesus. This is intentionally who he's choosing, who he's sending. He sends out this zealous revolutionary that's so like re- revolutionary in his thought and his, 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 his ideology and his, his way forward that he's even known as Simon the what? The zealot. Like zealots, right? They were like totally against Rome. Can you imagine like Jesus sends them out like, hey guys, got room assignments today. Matthew, Simon, you guys are together, right? I mean, because you imagine, right? Matthew, he works for Rome. He, he's the tax collector who's hated. Simon, who is this zealous revolutionary, hates Rome. Can you imagine? These guys together. But now can you imagine when they show up? And these people who should be enemies are proclaiming this gospel and they're loving one another. Can you imagine what that says to a culture? Those guys can get along. Those guys can love each other. Those guys can overcome differences. Those guys can forgive each other. Do you see the early glimpse of what the church looks like? It's coming together, showing love and grace. But beloved, if you hear this text today and you think there's no way that God could ever send or use me, I want you to say that's likely what these men must have thought. And it was God who called and sent them. Has he called and sent you? The 
power of missions, beloved, is the power of being sent. It's this moment of hope and joy of being as us filled with the Holy Spirit and being sent out by Christ. And for many of you, that's going to be to your families and to classrooms and to job sites. But I want you to realize that the, the America that you live in, the country, the nation that you live in, is becoming less and less in submission to Christ, understanding what the truth of Scripture is. I want you to hear this because I want you to realize the, the culture in which you walk into. This is one of the most recent studies. actually just came out this month here in August. It's Arizona Christian University um, along with, with the Barna Research Group there. Listen to what they found out in, in light of their study. That 48% of Americans, so half of Americans, believe that good works can save you. Half of Americans believe that good works can save you. And before we begin to think, well, okay, I, I, I can see how that's possible. You have to understand also the demographic that's being researched and asked. It's not just people out there. It's people in here. Listen to this. 46% of Pentecostals believe that good works can save you. 44% of Protestants and 41% of evangelicals, which I'm assuming most of you probably define yourself. Again, the word Protestant indicates protester. And that happened in the 1500s when the church protested and broke away from the Roman Catholic Church and became known as protesters, the Protestants, which is you're in a Protestant church today. And 70% of Catholics believe that good works can save you. Beloved, I want you to know that good works can save you, but not your good works, His good works. Are you with me? There's only one good work that will save. There's only one who was perfect. Isaiah even says to us, our good works are like filthy rags. Beloved, there's only one good worker. There's only one good works that will save. It is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. But I want you to realize that today, as you hear this call, this missional call to go and share the gospel, that there is a desperate mission field in your classroom. There's a desperate mission field on your job site. And let's be honest, there's a desperate mission field even in the church. So, beloved, we need sound teachers. We need sound preachers. To proclaim this truth. But the truth is, you know, that it's not just here in America. The truth is that there is a desperate need amongst the nations. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the, the website. It's called the thejoshuaproject.net. You can go and check it out. It's got an unbelievable amount of information on it. But uh, according to the Joshua Project, right, 41%, so let's zoom in here, right, 41% of the world... Right? That's, I don't know if that's the best color, but anyway, nonetheless, we'll... 41%, this 1040 window, right? Based upon longitude, latitude there. 1040 window. Listen, 41% of the world is, lives in what is classified as unreached, right? So that, that red is the worst, right? Yellow, and then green is, there's more, right? Representation of Christ. But 41% of the world lives in what's known as unreached people group. That indicates that 3.2 billion of the 7.7 billion on the face of the earth today live in what is known as an unreached people group. That means that the people group that they are in, there is not enough people and there is not enough resources to be able to share the gospel and get the gospel forward unless there is outside assistance. Do you hear that? 
41% of the world lives in a place that there are not enough Christians right now currently to get the gospel out to them without assistance. That means the established church, places like GBC, must go where the church is not established to tell those people about Jesus. Are you with me? Are you with me? Further, the text shows us, or, or the statistics tell us that guess what? Before we brush this aside, that almost 2 billion of the 3.2 billion people live in a place where there is less than 0.1% of the people who are Christians. So when you see this, right, we try to zoom in on it, the red indicates those who are Islamic Muslims, right? The blue indicates the Hindu. Uh, the orange dots indicate Buddhist. Green is some type of ethnic tribal type religion. But these dots represent people, right? Which indicates a quarter of the world today lives in a place where there is less than 0.1% of the people who are Christian. That means they didn't meet a Christian yesterday. They won't meet one today. And unless you and I go, they won't meet one tomorrow. Now, before we rush past this and back in the text and jolly on with the sermon, I want you to wrestle and feel the weight of that tonight. As you lay in your bed, I want you to wrestle with the crushing weight that one-fourth of the world today did not even have an opportunity to meet even a Christian. For some of you, that will mean that you must go. For some of your children, your grandchildren, that will mean they must go. And by the Spirit's power, I believe that He will use this very text today to drive some of you 15 years down the road to go. The church must go. Our former International Mission Board president, David Platt, the author of Radical and other books, he says this, the church is God's plan A to take the gospel to the nations and there is no plan B. The church... What Jesus is doing here, what will be birthed in Acts 2 when the Spirit comes, the church is God's plan A to take the gospel to the nations. And there is no plan B. So the power of missions first flows from being sent. Jesus calling you. Jesus now sending you. As you hear Matthew 28, right? Go thee, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. But secondly, the power of missions flows from Jesus' authority. Look what he says again back in verse 1 of Matthew 10. And he called to him his 12 disciples and he gave them what? Authority. That power. Over what? Look what he says here. Over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. These guys have been seeing Jesus do these great works and they must think there is absolutely no way we could do that. And guess what? They're right. And there's no way that we can do it either unless, unless Jesus gives us His authority. Unless He puts His power upon them. You see, that's what happens in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit of God comes upon people and for the power of the Spirit, these people now have boldness and a desire to take and share the gospel. Some of you, again, you say, I'm no Billy Graham. I'm no Lottie Moon. You're right. We are not. But Billy Graham and Lottie Moon would tell you that they are just like you. But the power of God's Spirit came upon them and He was sufficient for the task for which He had placed before them. Beloved, we're sent. We're sent people. 
We're not going in our own authority. We're going in Christ's authority. Our authority may not be expressed in such signs as as casting out demons or placing hands upon people, but beloved, the power of the Spirit is upon you to share and live this gospel. I was reminded of my weakness, probably unlike maybe any point in my life, was in 2006. Em and I came here in January 05, and in 2006, I headed out on a mission trip to Costa Rica. We ended up in the rainforest, somewhere between Costa Rica and Panama. It was You guys have heard some of the stories, crazy rugged, but I'll never forget. So we, we march, and we're taking the gospel to places that never hear the gospel. I mean, these people live isolated to isolated, right? We're, we stayed at a place called Cope, in their language, indicating halfway to heaven. And the next day, we marched, marched hiked for a total of 10 hours. Like, man, if we were halfway to heaven, we got to be really close now, right? But we get there, and I'll never forget. He said, hey, Blake, I want you to share your testimony. I was like, oh, man, okay. And so I began to speak in English. The missionary hears in English, and he now begins to speak in Spanish. And now the Guami Indians who were with us, who were Christians, begin to hear, and they begin to speak in their language of Nagabe. And so there's this moment of English to Spanish to Nagabe. And I sit there thinking, Lord, I don't know what's lost in translation, and this is taking forever. I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to say this. And he says, Blake, you'll never have the power. You'll never have the power in yourself. If you, if you think it's dependent upon you, Blake, you, there's, just, there's just no way. The danger is, though, I come back and stand in this pulpit or I walk into Dollar General and I think sometimes the power depends upon me. Like if I'm persuasive enough, if I can be winsome enough, if I can do it well enough. Guys, the same power and authority that I needed in Costa Rica, speaking through all these different languages, is the same exact power we need in Greensburg, KY. It's the power of Christ authority and Beloved, the good news is if you are in Christ, that power and the Spirit rest upon you. He has equipped you with what you need and He will sufficiently supply for whatever else He is sending you to do. As I told you at the first, God's plan will be accomplished by God's power through God's people in the face of persecution and suffering. It's now to God's plan that we turn again. We were hearing the power of God, but we got to know what is God's plan. Listen again. Jesus says he sends these these 12 out. He says to them in verse 5 of Matthew 10, these 12, Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles. So listen what he says to them. Guys, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather, here's where you are to go, to the lost sheep, the house of who? Israel. You're to go not to these people, but to those people. Like, listen, like that doesn't seem to make sense, but you have to understand who the house of Israel is. It's God's covenant people. That's the promise that he had made to Abraham, right? That your descendants will become like the sand of the seashore, like the stars of the sky, right? And through you, listen, this is why you have to understand it. And through you, all nations upon the earth will be blessed. And that's why the prophets in the Old Testament are saying, listen, God had called his people to be light and they were not light. And so now God is going to have to do such a work to transform their hearts that they begin to proclaim the gospel from a transformed heart. But when Jesus says that, listen, he's come to his own people. In fact, when you see Jesus dying upon the cross, they nail an inscription above him that says, King of the who? King of the Jews. C.T. Studd is... Um, this phenomenal athlete, cricket player in England, uh, he became extremely wealthy. I, I put that image up there because if, if you uh, check it out on Amazon, you can actually check this out. It's, it's, it's a pretty powerful stuff. Uh, but listen, he left everything. 
all of his power, all of his notoriety, all of his athletic ability. He walks away from it all to become a missionary in China and India and Africa. And Studd famously said these words, the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. He says, start where you are, sharing and living the gospel here. And that's what Jesus is saying. The gospel starts at home, but beloved, it will never stay at home. The gospel starts in Greensburg, but it will move you to, to, to the Guami. So listen, he says, guys, I want you to know the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. And so we as, as believers, as you gave an offering today, I hope and pray you're still giving. But every percentage of that offering that you give, we are sending on that the gospel can be taken by the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board to reach North America, to here in Kentucky to help provide ministries throughout the state. So every time you give, we do what's called the cooperative program. And every other Southern Baptist church that's a part of that, they too give that we can do more together than we ever could could apart and beloved we believe as believers who cooperate together that the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home i ought to hear some wmu ladies saying amen come on thank god for our wmu ladies and their passion to take the gospel to the nations but ladies come on come on this is your time Amen and amen. Men, we ought to be saying amen. Proud of what God has done and is doing through us. But what we see here in the midst of this text is, is that I hear you, sis. She's amen. And, um, the guys, listen, it has to be intentional. Like if you don't plan and prioritize coming to church, not only coming to church, but connecting with the church, it's just not going to happen. Like if you don't plan and prioritize your exercise, my guess is it's just probably not going to happen. If you don't plan and prioritize, like for Emily and I, we just found out, hey, listen, if, if we don't try and do Bible study in the mornings before school, the likelihood is, is that after school and at night, we are tired and homework and everything else. It just likely doesn't happen for us. So we've got to plan and prioritize to say, listen, we've got to get up early. We've got to get to the table. And whether you like it or not this morning, we are sitting around and the BIBLE is open and we're going to spend time in the Word sharing it together. Guys, it's the same way with missions. You've got to wake up day by day saying, God, today I want to be used. I know that you've called me and you are sending me. I don't know where it will be. It may be at Dollar General. It may be in my classroom. It may be in my job site. It may be to a family member. I don't know where it's going to be. But, God, I want to share the gospel today. Guys, we must make that daily commitment. So Jesus, again, he sends them, right, to, to the people. So look what happens here. We're going to see some things about this plan of missions. What's the plan of missions? We heard the power of missions. Again, we're now seeing what's this plan of missions. Look what he says. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. So what we begin to see is there's a strategy of missions going to town and villages. If you walk through the, the, the gospel or the book of Acts, you're going to begin to see that cities are often prioritized. Why? Because people gather in cities and they often travel back to their smaller villages, the towns. And so there's often strategy of reaching towns and villages. And so it is with Jesus. But as we know in Acts 16, that Paul and the brothers were desiring to go and the Lord was preventing. And finally, he has a vision of a man from Macedonia. And so this, he says, well, he concludes the Lord's called to go and what i'm saying in that is this there's a plan of missions that is strategic but it's at the same time submissive to the holy spirit so the plan of missions is strategic we need to be intentional thinking about how do we best reach green county at the same time as a church we are submissive to the holy spirit of god 
So again, look what happens here. It starts at home, but it doesn't stay at home. Look what happens as, as the gospel begins to launch forward. Behold, he says, verse 16 of Matthew 10, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. Two, here's the reason why, right? So you, you, you need to understand. Jesus is helping us understand. We'll get to it in a minute. But you have to understand the reason that they're experiencing persecution. It's not like arbitrary. God's like, it's not like he has no meaning or purpose behind the suffering of his people. Listen to what it is here. The, pl- the point is this, to bear witness before them. And notice who else it's before. Who is it there? The Gentiles. Do you see it? The gospel started home to the house of Israel. And now it begins even through persecution. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, right? You see that Stephen is killed there in Acts chapter 7. In Acts 8 it says, beginning of Acts 8, a great persecution breaks out and they proclaim the word wherever they went. So it was in the book of Acts that persecution is what began to drive the church to share the gospel. Now, no, well, listen, I know we're struggling in America where a lot of things are changing. They're pressing in upon us. But I would say that biblically we might be coming to a sweet spot. It doesn't seem that way. You may want to jump ship, but I just want to tell you that God will not be defeated. His message is going to go out. And I want to let you know that even in the midst of persecution, and often that's what God uses to press upon us to help us realize what's truly important, and that is sharing and living the gospel. And so here the gospel goes now to the Gentiles. So the plan of missions is start where you are and then go to those who have not heard. Again, that may be on your job site. That may be in your family, maybe your classroom. For some of you as college students, you need to be thinking about the journeyman program. It's your first two years after college. God sends you to be a part of maybe missionaries internationally. It could be a church plan here in North America and a difficult part of the nation. And you spend those first two years helping serve alongside them, laboring to take the gospel to the nations. That is Jesus' plan for us to go. But to better understand this plan, we also need to know, like, what are we to share and what are we to do? Well, look what he says back in verse 7 of Matthew 10. And proclaim. So this is something we are to proclaim. This is something we are to share, to tell. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand the kingdom of heaven guys is a new way of life it's where the last are first and the least of these are not forgotten it's where mercy and grace is shown the kingdom of heaven is one of those of ongoing repentance i've had to experience that here just recently we had a young man in our household who's just just been struggling going through some hard things and and we were just hoping that maybe this year he, he might get a hit and things will work out. And was coming to the last game and he hits one and, man, he's running around the bases and he slides in and they call him out. And as a dad in that moment, man, I came to the fence. And I was like, that wasn't the call last inning. And I get over there and after the game we're talking, he says, Dad, you're supposed to have my back. Where were you? It's like, bro, I was yelling. Your mama said everybody heard me. But the Spirit began to convict me at the same time to say, man, brother, you are a follower of Christ and that's how you act. So in a day or so, guess what? I had to pick up the phone and call the umpire and say, man, I want you to know that as a follower of Christ, that does not represent Christ. And he's like, 
I was like, brother, would you please forgive me? And he says, well, brother, I, I forgive you, but I never heard you. But my guess is, as people who proclaim the kingdom and want to live the kingdom, there's probably some other umpires in this room that need some phone calls from some of you all. Some of you all, some brothers and sisters in your family need some phone calls. Some of you all, moms and dads, need to hear from you. They need some phone calls, some face-to-face. Some of you spouses need some face-to-face forgiveness. And would you forgive me and genuine repentance Some of you co-workers need some phone calls. They need some face-to-face, some bosses. Some of you, for people in the church that you've done wrong, they need some face-to-face forgiveness. Why? Because we are kingdom people. And we don't just proclaim the kingdom. Look what he says. Look what he says here. He says, you go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You live the kingdom. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. You receive without pain. Give without pay. Guys, In the power of the Spirit, Christ can strengthen us to share, to minister, to care, to love. Listen, it's not simply just about proclaiming the kingdom. Jesus says that we are also to show love and compassion. We aren't raising the dead. I mean, let's be honest, we aren't raising the dead. I don't know many folks have the power to walk around and heal folks or cleanse lepers or cast out demons. So we might ask even here in light of this, like, well, did this just die out? Well, you have to understand this is a unique place in history. It doesn't mean that God can't continue to do these things. And in fact, there are times when he does so. But you must realize these guys are going out proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is hand. Everybody's like, what? No. And they are authenticating the message by the works of doing the works that Jesus did. Why? Because they can't say, hey, guys, would you turn to Romans 3.23 and see that everybody sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Why? Because Paul's not even a Christian yet. There is no New Testament. Do you see it? The writer of Hebrews says to us now, he's once and for all spoken to us through the word. We now today have the word, but then there was no New Testament. So they're at a unique place in history in which God is affirming their message by their acts of kindness. So we might need to ask, how might God want to authenticate our message? I think one way he might authenticate the message is hopefully through this season you've been loving on neighbors. Maybe you've got at-risk people across the street from you that need a trip or to get groceries or they need a phone call or maybe they need a food. I hope and pray you've been that kind of neighbor. I hope and pray that you've been a, maybe a part or considered or excited at least that your church continually is going out showing love to our faith family, to widows and widowers and shut-ins providing meals. I hope that you're excited that this church is not just saying we want to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. We want to actually show that love and kindness. It's not just either or. It's both and. Listen, and we want to take food Thursdays and Sundays to kiddos in this community to let them know the love. Listen, as, as people, again, we're not only proclaiming the kingdom, we're living the kingdom. So we may stand in absolute opposition to abortion, and rightfully so. But at the same time, we're also people who adopt and foster, are we not? You see, it's not either or, it's both and. You with me? We authenticate our message today by smiling at strangers, by tipping extra amounts. I used to be a waiter, a waitress. I want to, I wasn't a waitress. That is weird. I used to be a waiter and I was, I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. The worst days were Sunday because church people would show up and they always complained and they never tip much. Just being straight with you. And the unbelievers that I worked with often didn't want to work Sundays because they knew the church was coming. That's truth. We authenticate our message by opening the door for our wives, young men, taking care of your mamas. 
having peace in the midst of trials. You see, missions reflects the church and the church reflect missions. Are you with me? Missions reflect the church. If that's the kind of church we want to have, that's the kind of missional people we want to be. If that's the kind of missional people we want to be, then this is the kind of church we have to have. You with me? If we're all about helping but not sharing the gospel, we've only got it partly right. And if we're all about only telling people and not showing love and compassion, we've only got it partly right. Are you with me? We are proclaiming the kingdom and showing love and kindness. That's what Jesus says missions looks like. So God's plan will be accomplished by God's power through God's people in the face of persecution and suffering. And that's where Jesus comes to now. The persecution of missions. First and foremost, the persecution comes from the government. Listen to what he says beginning in verse 16 of Matthew 10. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentile. History holds that all but two of the twelve were killed for their faith. We know that Judas hung himself. And history records for us that John was just died of old age. But every other of these twelve all died for their faith. As Christ followers today, we need to be prepared for the day in which it may come that you are going to be dragged into your supervisor's office for sharing the faith with someone. You may very well come the day when you are go before a governor or a king or a judge because, but I want you to know that you must not worry because listen to what Jesus says, you must not worry about that day. If you're anxious about that, Jesus knows you will be. Listen to what he says. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious. He knows that's our tendency. He knows that's what we're, we're going to be trajectory toward. He says, but do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say for, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour for It is not you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That's rock-solid hope when you're not sure what you should do because of what the government has said in light of your job. You're not sure what you should do in light of regulations and many things that will begin to press against the truth of God's Word. And Jesus says, I want you to know that when you are delivered over, guys, do not be anxious because it will not be you speaking. It will be the Father speaking through you, which says to some of us, as he's getting ready to come to in just a moment, that you may have to leave mom and dad in Greensburg, KY, to go to the nations and take the gospel. But I want you to know that you'll never be alone because your heavenly Father will always be with you. What hope of the gospel. What beauty of the gospel. I would love to tell you today that the persecution will just come from the government. But guys, I've got to be straight with you. Jesus says that persecution is coming not only from the government, but from your family and those closest to you. This is hard. Listen to what he says. Beginning in verse 21 of Matthew 10. Brother will deliver brother over to death. And a father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be what? Hated by who? Oh, oh, Miss Mary, it's hard. All for my name's sake. Man, that's hard. Hated. 
I want to be straight with some of you because you're wrestling about following Christ and, and what does it look like to submit to Him and confess Him as Savior. I want you to know that there's also a great cost that will come. So don't hear this today and just think it's only about getting your ticket punched to heaven. Those who follow Christ, Jesus says you will be hated by all. You just need to know that up front. And what I would say to you is the beauty of Christ is so worth everything. For some of you, that means a call to missions. And when you share it with parents or grandparents, even who are believers, they may say to you, that's crazy. You can't go there. You can't take my grandchildren there. But the plan and power of God again sustains us. Look what he says. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's called to endure, to not give up. Why? Because there is the salvation of your soul, beloved. Eternal peace, eternal joy, eternal comfort. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more division, no more bad days. All because of what Christ has done. That calls us, beloved, to endure. But even more to sustain you. He says in verse 23, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man, what? comes beloved no matter what comes against you never lose sight of the fact that jesus is coming again it may very well be his will to deliver you in the midst of great trials but whether he does that or not physically he will do it spiritually he will provide the faith that you need he'll provide the words that you need he will strengthen you in that moment and one day he's going to return But the truth is, most are not ready for Him. In verse 14 and 15, to speak this terrible word of condemnation upon all those who are rejecting the gospel. And that means many in your family. That means many in this community. It may mean even some of you will be cast out of His presence forever. And despite all of this, there are some of you today that you feel that urging, burning desire to go to the nations. Some of you, even now, you feel a longing for the glory of God here in your family, in this community. And you are ready to launch forward like never before. Why? Because the truth of God's Word, by the power of His Spirit. And what are we to look like? Jesus finishes this section by saying, A disciple is not, verse 24, above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. Did you hear it? A disciple is called to be like that teacher. And the servant is called to be like his master. Individually, and we as a church are continuing to proclaim the gospel. We are to continue to show love and compassion. Why? Because we are filled with the Spirit. We are sustained by the Father. And we are striving to be like our master, Jesus. What was our master like? He left heaven. Glory. He left comfort and came and lived in an uncomfortable manger crib. He came and was rejected upon and, and, and spit upon and jeered and mocked. He was called the prince. He was called the prince of demons. He was spoken of that he was possessed by Satan. And yet, even despite all of this opposition, Jesus left everything and went to the cross and died for you. That you who are uncomfortable here might be comforted for eternity. Beloved. Some of you need to respond to that gospel. You need the forgiveness and, as Paul says, the peace of God. What is available to you through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. 
But we need to also ask as God's people here today, if he was willing to leave his comfort and go be uncomfortable, is not the church called to do the same? Guys, God's plan will be accomplished by God's power through God's people, the church, in the face of persecution and suffering. I hope and pray today that you know him. That you're not deceived and believe in any good work. Again, no good work will save you, beloved. It is only His good work that will save you. It is by grace through faith that you may be saved. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no man, woman, boy or girl may boast. That's God's Word. So no matter what you think today, hear the truth of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And beloved, let the church respond today. Let's go. In the power of the Spirit, following His plan, ready for the persecution that is to come. Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of Christ we come, longing to see the nations reach, longing to see our homeland here. Jesus had started at home. Lord, we too desire to start at home, but we know it will never stay at home. It will always begin to move forward to extend to the darkest places. Father, I pray now for this church, God, I pray that we would be a going church. Father, I pray that we would be a sending church, that you would raise up missionaries and others in this congregation. Even 15, 20 years from now, God, through the birth of your word here today, you would stir little hearts and minds to begin contemplating, to seeing those red dots, seeing the lostness. God, I pray even now they'll begin to wrestle with it, feeling the lostness of this world, God. Please. Stir us up to go, God. Please, Father, open doors, God. Please provide opportunities, Lord. Please, Father God, bring healing through the power of Your servant, Jesus, that we may go and share this blessed and only gospel. Oh, God, I beg it with everything in me, God. Please stir this church, God. Please move us, God. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. I beg of You, Father, please. Father, just like that man we studied about in Sunday school, Lord, he begged You and He told him, no, go back home to your own family in your own town and share it. It says that man joyfully went. So Lord, I pray for those today whom you're saying, no, it's not you that I want to go out there. You stay here and share the gospel. But for others, God, Jesus says, it's time. It's time to leave Greensburg. It's time to leave your family. It's time to leave all you've ever known and take the only hope of salvation and eternal life and it is not good works it is not in Muhammad or Allah or Buddha or Confucius or any other doctrine of men it is in the doctrine of God that is salvation through Christ alone I pray this for the glory of God amongst all people Lord please Lord hear our prayer Amen this is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.